As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show and welcome back. We are celebrating new dad Ari Wasserman back on the show the last time you heard from him, he was not a parent. Now he is partially responsible for another human life. That's a terrifying prospect, but I'm glad that uh, that his fiance is the the responsible party in the family. Yeah, as we do this right now, the fiance is watching the baby sleep. So you know the cool thing about uh, podcasting is you can strategically plan naps around when we're recording and I'm lucky enough to live in a two-story house so nobody is being bothered hopefully and I'm so happy well, to do this because I needed this as I need this as a man right now <laughs> so I'm at the end of my too, pitiful too, rope too much uh talk of feeding and and then and swaddling and and swaddling blankets and mm-hmm. and whatnot I will say that I probably had the best uh experience in the hospital of anybody on earth because Britt finds football sounds soothing. So oh, two days after she gave uh, birth was Saturday, or a few days after was Saturday, and we watched yeah, college football days. in that room. And it, this was the last day we were in the hospital, and we watched college football from 11 a.m. till midnight nonstop. And I had the computer on the bed, and in between you know, doing things with the baby when she was napping, I had three, four-hour sessions of just – living the dream out there. So, you know, not, not a lot to complain about and, you know, so thankful that everybody's happy and healthy, but boy, do I need a, uh, some football in my life again, because it's just, been, it's been quite a week. Just plan out everybody, all you listeners. And and by the way, rate review. We, we love you guys. Please let us know how we're doing. Let us know what we can do better. But I do want you all to plan for 2039 when Liv Wasserman becomes my co-host. We kick, we kicked out of the curb. And, uh, and any girl who, uh, within her first couple of days of life gets a full day of college football in, she's going to be a great college football podcaster. She, uh, she got Thursday night football in the second night she was alive. Then she unfortunately and, and got there was Mar- a big ACC game on that Thursday. <laughs> yeah. Wow. So she got the next night. She got Maryland, Iowa, which we had to turn off for fear of her safety. And then uh, all day Saturday. <laughs> so, um, you know, she's, Honey, she's most definitely a football Don't turn it over seven times. Don't worry. It's not that normal. Bad. I was like, is this a health risk? Because uh, I, uh, I will say that I watched that game and I've never seen a team play as poorly as Maryland played in that game. 
And I just mean, and I, maybe they just got their butts kicked. Teams get their butts kicked all the time, but Maryland played awful. Um, but the one thing I wanted to say before we get into football, too, is how on earth did we do this podcast for nine months while Britt was pregnant? And I had no idea that we were flirting with the potential that she would be born on your birthday. I, well, how do you not even bring don't that up? Think about my birthday much anymore because I'm in that <laughs> age age range where nobody cares about about your birthday when you when you're in your you know once you pass forty like the numbers after forty until you get to fifty nobody really cares and especially not me I'd rather not think about it I'd rather not count that high so it, it's it, funny because that's why my daughter shares a birthday with you which I don't and know is concerning and Britt's longtime high school sweetheart. Ooh, well, that's more concerning than, than having one with me. All, all, all you need to know is Uncle Andy will, will bring the party when it's, when it's her birthday because oh, yeah. it'll also Uncle be my Andy. party. Yeah, oh, yeah. But, course. you know, hey, we're, we're, we're all doing great out here, and I'm super excited to get into some games because uh, this week <laughs> is certain. I think this is, is this the best slate from top to bottom of the year? There might not be the sexiest top-end matchup, you don't have the Clemson Georgia matchup, but like from top to bottom, looking at the games you sent, I'm like it's like all day of perfectness. Yeah, and, and well, and so last week looked like that going in, but then Georgia, Arkansas, and Alabama, Ole Miss just didn't live up to it. They they, mm-hmm. they were blowouts. So I think that's that was the issue. This one looks like we're going to get probably better games out of the bunch, and and that's I, I'm I will take better game over better brand names or better circumstances going into the game. I just want the game to be entertaining. I don't at this point, I like football. I don't care who's playing. I, I like a good football game. So uh, if it's the Friday night game, Stanford, Arizona state, like that's, if that's a great game, great. I, and we'll start with that one. Cause this is, this feels like a, what does Vegas know line to me? Stanford is a 13 point underdog at Arizona state. Stanford just beat Oregon. Arizona state looked good against UCLA but Arizona State does not strike me as the kind of team that is super consistent either. So why why are we giving up almost two touchdowns to Stanford? Why why, why yeah. are we sitting there thinking Stanford's going to get blown out? You know, and also too, I just say like, how good do we believe BYU is this year? Um, because we, if BYU, we're going to get we're going to get to the BYU, we're going to have the BYU conversation. So put a pin in that okay. because we need to have the BYU conversation as it relates to Cincinnati and all that. But let's let's stick to this Friday game first that, that people are getting. You're, you're getting this podcast Friday morning. You're getting this game tonight. 13 points and a 54 over-under. The over-under, I, I, I don't feel like touching. But that, that line feels so high. Yeah. I. The reason why I asked about BYU is because I'm trying to figure out how good ASU is. And ASU... Mm-hmm. Uh, was only losses to BYU, and I thought they looked awesome against uh, UCLA, and that was the game that we fell asleep with the baby on my chest uh, game because it was on <laughs> to like 1 a.m., and I didn't fall I asleep, but the baby was asleep. Yeah, <laughs> but I was enjoying the game. I, th- I don't know. Like, are, are we – I don't – I've just been waiting since I was 11 years old for ASU to be awesome, and, you know, this isn't the year that they're going to go compete for a, a national championship or everything or anything, but, you know, it seems like it's been a slow-building process with with Herm Edwards and you know you're kind of waiting for it to arrive and winning on the road against a pretty good UCLA team 
is a nice step in that direction. Now, that BYU game kind of gnaws at you a little bit because it'd be a little bit more explainable to me if we're talking about a 5-0 and Arizona State team that's handled their entire schedule because they've beaten the crap out of everybody, and then they have one loss. So it's just kind of a strange situation, and it's just like how much do you buy into the idea that if a team comes off of a very big emotional win that they have a harder time getting up for the next week? Because that's what I think here with Stanford. It's like they just beat Oregon. You know, that was an emotionally draining game. They had to come back. It was overtime, the whole nine. Um, can they get up for a, a game on a short week on the road? I, I, yes. Yes, they can. And Arizona State is playing on a Friday night after a road trip late, late Saturday. Like, they were deep into the night, Pac-12 after dark. And Sam Khan and I were recording the, the podcast as that game was ending. And it was it was 11 p.m., Pacific time when it ended. And so I think both of those teams are in that circumstance. So that's, that's why it feels like Stanford's being punished for coming off a big win, but Arizona state's not, which is why I think this line is super weird. And I would think Stanford covers this. Yeah. I've been doing this thing where I've been kind of leaning into the lines that don't make sense. And sometimes I feel like a genius and sometimes I feel like a moron. Um, and it's just like, if you look, Stanford has two wins against the top 15 teams. Now, USC isn't a top 15 team by any stretch of the imagination, but they played UCLA close and they beat Oregon. Uh, so, mm-hmm. you know, laying 14 points against a very, this is the thing that you have with Arizona state. They are inconsistent until they're not inconsistent. And right now they're inconsistent. So, you know, you never know what ASU you're going to get, um, but I think I would lean towards taking the points in this spot as well, especially since they're both coming off of emotional wins in a short week. All right. So let's, let's have the BYU conversation. Now we, we don't have to go in chronological order of these games on Saturday, Boise state goes to Provo. BYU is a five and a half point favorite undefeated BYU versus undefeated Cincinnati. I don't think a lot of people are thinking about the possibility of undefeated BYU, but Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, and that's that's great. And and I think I said this last week. There is a chance Notre Dame goes eleven and one. We'll get to the Notre Dame line this week that <laughs> suggests they're not going to. But BYU, if they win out, and and it's not a guarantee, but it's a possibility. They will have one, two, three, five, four, five Power Five wins. And they will have beaten Boise State if this happens. Oh, sorry, six Power six. Five wins, and they would have five beaten Boise State. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. I mean, they would essentially be Pac-12 South champions. Like they, they should if they if they run the table, Boise State should be allowed to play the North champion for the well, Pac-12 the que- title. Yeah, here's the question I have for you, Andy. If we're talking about, and you know what, I said last I said, year, BYU should be allowed to play the the, the North. Yeah, champion. last year after Cincinnati was left out of the playoff or fell late in the year. I said, I'm done having the group of five playoff discussion until the the format changes. And I still kind of feel that way. But given the way that this year has gone with all of the top teams at the top, at least maybe not Alabama or Georgia, but most of the teams that we thought would be in the position to make the playoff have struggled. Ohio State's lost. Oklahoma has not looked like itself. Clemson uh, might not even win their own conference this year. I mean, all the normal. This is the year 
that Cincinnati actually should have a chance, right? Especially with back-to-back right. wins on the road against, you know, quote-unquote, pretty good or very good Power 5 teams. Like, I think that beating Notre Dame on the road, I think, since Notre Dame always gets the benefit of the doubt if they go undefeated, should put Cincinnati in a very interesting scenario at the end of the year. But what do you think is more impressive? Two wins against really good or above average power five teams or six wins against average power five teams? I mean, would you take well, isn't the argument always? Isn't well, the we're argument always BYU and Cincinnati, right? Yeah. Isn't the argument always if they were in X conference that they would lose a couple right. games because of the grind? Well, what does this change that? Oh, by the way, it would be seven power five wins. Yeah, do we miss? We forgot Virginia, I think. Yeah, yeah, Virginia is the one we're forgetting. So, again, that's not going to be an easy, easy game for them. So, the, if they did it, it's going to be hard. I mean, I, I think BYU probably, especially if if they're dominating these games, I think BYU might be the better option. BYU's first three wins of the year are all against Pac-12 opponents, and two mm-hmm. of them were ranked in the top twenty-five at the time. So, like, I don't know. To me, you're looking at a Power 5 schedule right here. Uh, if you count yeah, Arizona, I, I don't care Utah, where they were ranked at the time. I only care where they're ranked at the end. So, yeah, no, I, I know, I but I don't know that <laughs> I don't know that, what, that Utah but, is going to be ranked. But what we're talking about here, too, is, is, is ASU. And ASU just came off of a pretty big win. I think Arizona State at the end will probably still be ranked somewhere. Um, and it's a shame that they don't have a, a boost against USC because, you know, who knows what that team's going to be, you know, on November 27th. But to me, I have a really hard time deciphering whether I would take quality. Would you rather see mm-hmm. Cincinnati beat a top 15 team on the road or a top 10 team on the road? Because based on that argument, you said you don't take them with there at the time. You do it at the end. Notre Dame could be a four loss team by the end of this. And, you know, Indiana yeah. is what it is. So Cincinnati's resume to me right now is sexier than BYU's, but I think BYU has a better chance of staying power at the end of the Mm -hmm. year because even if all the teams that BYU, like let's say Utah falls out of the top 25 and ASU is inconsistent enough to fall out of it, you still have the quantity argument. And that's Arizona, plays? Guess who plays Notre Dame? Who? Virginia. Yeah, it'll be a good crossover test. Some transitive property action. And Virginia's much better too, right? They they are. They've lost two in conference, but they've lost to North Carolina and Wake Forest. Wake Forest may be the Atlantic champ if they can beat Clemson. I mean, if they can beat Clemson, they're going to win the Atlantic. And it's, I don't know. It, it, it's pretty crazy. But Virginia as coastal champ is not out of the question at this point. We'll, we'll see. They, they've got a long way to go. But they, they, they certainly could be in it by the end. Um, this line seems yeah, fishy so, to me, though. The BYU line. Yes, it does. It does. It does. Because now Boise State always plays everybody tough. If this were on the blue, it might make more sense. But I don't eyes know. Because you I might mean, have a 10-point spread between these two teams if you shut your eyes before you saw the number, right? I would be in the double digits right. somewhere. And BYU handled them last year on the blue. So, and I realize that's Zach Wilson, but I think, I think we, we've seen that BYU is pretty good. But Boise State... Is, is two and three now the Oklahoma State game they probably should have won that game but they did just lose by 10 to Nevada so yeah this line feels very weird yeah I, I'm in a situation where I wish we had some of the COVID rules where we could just set up an end of the year matchup between 
Cincinnati, BYU, BYU Cincinnati and just like yeah. whoever wins this is the four seed. You know, and it's just listen, I think BYU has a long way to go before they're undefeated. But if they go undefeated with their schedule, Arizona, Utah, Arizona State, uh, Boise, Baylor, Washington State, Virginia, and a close on the road at USC, which could be much improved or a dumpster fire at the end of the year. Who knows? But like to me, that's a power five undefeated power five team with that schedule. We'll be right back after these words. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. There has not been a year where it seemed like there was this realistic a chance that a non-Power 5 program Yeah, the door was open bigger than it's ever been opened. While at the same time, and here's how we move, we'll, we'll transition into these other games, it has never seemed more likely that two leagues could get two teams into the playoff. Now, obviously, that won't happen if one of the non-Power 5 teams gets in, but... We keep talking about Alabama and Georgia potentially making the playoff together from the SEC. What we're not talking about is what if Iowa State just crushes everybody along the way? I don't know, Iowa State. What if Iowa crushes everybody along the way, goes into the Big Ten title game, loses a triple overtime thriller to one loss Ohio State, and Oregon's out of the picture because they've lost another game or two? Yeah, I mean it's it's. I mean you could set up all the chaos scenarios. It's like, are we? Let me ask you this: Is the Big Ten East the best division in college football right now? I still think the SEC West is. If you matched them up team for team, I mean, yeah. If they actually had to play, Auburn, Auburn. Let me put it this way: <laughs> Auburn wouldn't be playing Penn State. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, I I mean the Big Ten has what five top eleven teams. And I don't know if that's yeah. all going to be the same. You know, again, a lot of the, these teams the, haven't the played. The Big Ten yet. is really good this year. The Big Ten East, especially if if Michigan and Michigan State are really good, we don't quite know that yet. But let's say they are. The Big Ten East is awesome and maybe better than the SEC West at that point. Yeah, I mean, again, if you think about it, <laughs> top heaviness. I don't think that there's anybody who's better than Bama in the Big Ten or even close to as good as, as or Bama. Georgia or Georgia. Um, but I mean, but division wise, yeah. you could say that, that the big 10 has more depth, I think from top to bottom. Yeah. So if you did the, if you did it, you'd have Alabama playing Ohio state. Uh, who do you have playing Penn state, Arkansas, Ole Miss, maybe it is Auburn and Auburn's already lost to Penn state. So maybe, maybe it we probably maybe would be Auburn, the right? Cause we're going to have to talk about this last weekend. I was 
extremely disappointed with the way that things went in both of those uh, underdog games that we talked about two weeks ago. Because remember when I said Arkansas is my play if they if they win against Texas A&M and then I took the points and it was just awful to watch. Yeah. Just awful. And then Ole Miss, it was the same game back to back where the underdog had no chance to even cover. The under, well, and the underdog had no chance because they, they chose defensively to dare the opponent to, to run the ball and the opponent just rammed it right down their throat over and over again. Yeah. It was just, it was just really, really tough to watch. So, okay. We'd probably say Ohio state Bama. This is a fun game, right? Ohio state Bama. I would probably say Auburn. Auburn, Penn state. Well, we, we know who wins that game. We know who wins. Should we do do it for clarity or should we just do it for fun? Let's let's, uh, since Arkansas has beaten Texas, and they have a, we'll give them the better with a better resume in this case. Yeah, let's I would say Arkansas. a win against Texas beats a win against LSU. So yeah, we'll give them Arkansas, but I think Penn State could win that. I think Penn State wins that game too. Okay. Michigan then would be Auburn. Yeah, I think that's a pretty even game. I don't know who Mich- wins that game. Michigan State Ole Miss. Fun game. Or would Michigan don't State beat Texas wins. A&M? Uh no, Texas A&M's last. Texas A&M is playing Rutgers. Well, Texas saying, yeah, I mean, I guess I'm not that low on them, but no, who, okay. Who are they better than in the big, in the, in the SEC West right now? Who are they better than? <sighs> nobody. They're not better than anybody. No, nobody definitively. Nobody definitively. You're right. Yeah. Now maybe when Haynes King gets back, they're better than somebody, but Can't right now they're not better there. than anybody. Yeah. Okay. So I guess they're playing Rutgers then, but I would, so then let's just, let's A&M's just go winning. That game, A&M's beating Rutgers. Yeah. So, so who's playing Indiana then? That means LSU is playing Indiana. Yeah. I'll take LSU in that game. Um, but it, but it's a pretty close match. I mean, you, you may have, it's, it, it may be four, three, and I don't know which way it's four, three. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it is funny just to go down the list and like, just let them play their counterparts that are in the same position place wise in their division, but it would be fun. And now the thing with the big 10 East is that I think we're still in a weird spot where we're not sure exactly how good uh, they actually are. Like, do you really yeah, believe how, in your Well, heart? I don't know how good Maryland is like, cause Maryland's got in, in our, in our scenario, Maryland's got to play LSU or, or, or Mississippi. Maryland got to play Mississippi state and they're losing. Maryland's losing to everybody right now. Yeah. I don't think yeah. Maryland can beat anybody in the big 10 with the way that they played last week. My poor daughter yeah. had to sit through that. Um, <laughs> she oh, that's, she that's wanted to go cold. back in the womb, Andy. <laughs> I think she was. Uh, She's like, <laughs> this is, this is the sport you get paid to talk about? Good Put God. me back in. Um, but yeah. See, the thing is, it's like, I don't think Michigan State is very good in my heart. Like, and I don't know if it's okay to say that. Is Michigan if really, you really, say that, really you say good it. in your heart? Well, Let's talk, well, let's talk Michigan, Nebraska, because that is this, that's what this game is. It is a game between two teams that look vastly improved, but do we know that they are vastly improved? And does the result actually tell us anything? There's only one team I, I, on the, in that matchup that hasn't lost to Illinois. <laughs> I, I guess I, that's improved true. Is a, listen, I thought, I thought Northwestern was going to maybe uh, be in a ne- double digit underdog. Right, Nebraska's defense has looked I know. Awesome. The last Black three shirts. weeks. I know. And Michigan's offense is one dimensional. So exactly. Nebraska, and that's it, Yeah. I mean, Nebraska can get it going. You know, I don't know. I, 
so the thing about it is, is that if Michigan is the second or third best team in the Big Ten East, right now, based on resume, we probably have to put them third. Okay. There's no possible way that the third best team in the deepest uh, conference or the deepest division in the in the conference like this in the uh, entire sport would be. I don't know if they're going to be able to beat Nebraska right now. Or am I? Excited? But I don't know if Nebraska they can. Short. They're only a three and a half point favorite. I know. And I think that line may be wrong. I, I think yeah. Nebraska might beat them. Where are we on Nebraska then? Like, are we back That's in the on thing. Scott Frost? We like, what are we doing here? Don't know. We fired we don't know where Scott. We, <laughs> we fired him a month ago. I know we did, but here's the thing. <laughs> they they played with Oklahoma. They took Michigan State to overtime and should have won the game. And I think you, you in, in your heart, you don't believe Michigan State's good. In mm. my heart, I think they might be. So I'm I'm willing to admit that I may have been completely wrong about Nebraska, that they may turn it around. Well, Nebraska beats Michigan. They, the the Scott Frost is back next year. Like, I, I think oh, that yeah. if you put – listen – the one well, you, thing you, you look at the rest of the schedule, coach, the only the only game they shouldn't win is Iowa at that or Ohio State and Iowa. The reason why we fired Scott Frost after the Illinois game was because it seemed in that moment that they he might have lost his team in week one that this the team was lost. And, you know, they were in week two, they were struggling against Fordham uh, for a quarter or maybe a quarter and a half. But then they come back and they beat Buffalo by 25. They almost beat OU or at least have a close game with OU. Overtime lost to uh, Michigan State in a game they should have won. And then 56-7 win over Northwestern, which I guess is just trash this year. But usually that's a really tough game. And, you know, you put yourself in a position where you have a pulse. And when you're in Nebraska's spot, I think you can have a pulse in losses. And I know that Nebraska fans probably don't want to accept that. But I think the 23-16 loss to OU means team is fighting. Overtime loss on the road at Michigan State, uh, uh, undefeated Michigan State team, means the team is fighting. And now they're probably feeling really good about themselves at three and three, going, uh, um, you know, inviting Michigan, a top ten team at home, and you beat a, you beat a top ten team at home, and you're in a pretty good position. So you with keep saying minute. top ten, okay? Michigan's a three and a half point favorite against against Nebraska. Yeah, but I still get the credit stop, for beating them as a top ten team. Stop saying where they're ranked. This is the T-shirt we're going to print. And you should, you of all people should should believe this. Rankings don't matter. I Vegas know, matters. I understand that more than anybody. I get it. But if you Michigan right now is a top ten team, okay, they are, and they're inviting a top no, ten Michigan, team. In, Michigan is whatever they are at the end of the season. It doesn't matter what they are now. I'm saying from a confidence standpoint, if you come in with a currently ranked top 10 team that's going into Nebraska, Nebraska beats that team at night at home with Minnesota and Purdue on their schedule ahead of them, you have a very, very tough team potentially going in to an Ohio State game on November 6th. Now, whether or not that Michigan game will be as valuable on their resume sheet as it is as we stand here today, it probably won't. Let's be honest. Michigan's schedule is really, really tough, and they've done a very good job so far of managing it, but the two toughest pillars of that schedule were Wisconsin, which I think is averaging like 11 points in their last six conference games, Rutgers, which almost could have beat them, and then Washington, who barely can even, you know, manage to get a first down. So, you know, I know that context is king, and, you know, Michigan is a top-10 team based on being a 5-0 team, but Nebraska beating anybody with the top-10 ranking next to their name is a huge step forward from when you were in my house a month ago. I don't oh, even care absolutely. if it holds up or not. 
I well, absolutely. It either one of these, it's a it's a big step forward. They need they both need the wins because See, they the both could this, spiral. Wanna, does Michigan gain that that juice by beating Nebraska that Nebraska would gain by beating Michigan? I think Nebraska's in a better position from what it means for their program than like Michigan has to win this, and if they don't, then oh my god, here we go, we suck again. Nebraska's like, oh my god, we're alive. But but I think what the consequences of Michigan losing make this very very important. I think you can make the case that this is one of the two or three best teams of the or games of the weekend. Oh, hundred uh, percent. This is this is the one I am most interested in because I don't know about either of these teams, and the result. This is could not be, the most interested one. There's no yeah. way. You're most interested in this game out of all of them. Yeah, I know which one you're the most interested in. Oh, there's the hook. I'm, there's the hook. All right, let's fine. Let's talk about it. Let us go to the State Fair of Texas. Let us fry some Snickers bars and Twinkies, and let's talk about the Longhorns and the Sooners because, Ari, I am about to fall into the trap that you live in. Mm. Don't do I'm it, I'm about but. to do it. I'm Don't about do it. to do it. I am going to fall into the trap that, that you live in. I know that Oklahoma is the better overall program. I know that more than likely Oklahoma is the is the better team. I am probably going to pick Texas in this game. Well, you're not picking Texas because you feel like oh like Texas has has proven that they're on the verge of being quote unquote back. You are picking Texas because Oklahoma's look like ass, right? For the most part, I thought Oklahoma looked better against Kansas State. I, I thought their offensive line got a huge push against Kansas State. It was something we had not seen all year. But what scares me is Texas's upfront personnel are going to look more like Nebraska's and, and more like West Virginia's than they're going to look like Kansas State's because Kansas State's not that good up front on defense this year. So I I, I worry that, that Oklahoma may be struggling to move the ball again. And, and look – you know, we saw Lincoln Riley use Caleb Williams a couple times during that Kansas State game. I don't think it was because he heard the chants during the, the West Virginia game. I think it was because he's worried he's going to have to use him in this game. Fun fact about me that might surprise you, Andy. You ready? I think mm-hmm. I've bet on Texas with real money in the Red River game the past four or five years and lost every time because I fall into the trap. And if you remember last year's game, it was four overtimes. And Oklahoma yep. had a chance, and in, in Texas, I believe, was getting three and a half. And I was, like, very <laughs> deep into it. And Oklahoma missed a field goal in overtime. Or, or it was either in overtime or to, to avoid overtime. Right. That yeah. would have had the Texas... The field goal to win, you cover, yeah. Yeah, and I don't know if... I think Texas has missed the... Like, has played Oklahoma close, but has not hit more often than not the last five years. I, I, I should really look that up beforehand, but, like... I just don't know. Do you think Texas is the best team in the Big 12? I think this weekend will will give us an idea of this, if that's true or not. I think Oklahoma State might have something to say about it there. And, and it's crazy because with Oklahoma State and Oklahoma, we're talking about their defense is really carrying be, being the, the more important part of the show here. Uh, Texas, offensively, they've been, they've been very good. So I, I just don't know. I mean... It's really hard for me to pick Texas because they've fooled me so many times because I watched them get physically dominated by Arkansas. That it just that sticks in my craw. But 
Oklahoma has struggled to move the ball against talented defenses. This is a talented defense. And, and the thing is, even though, even as Texas went through its underachiever phase, which may still be going on for all we know, they always played Oklahoma tough. Like it was the game, they, they would lose the games they weren't supposed to lose. They would lose to Oklahoma most of the time, but it wasn't for lack of giving them a good fight. So I just, I, I think I may have to take Texas in this game. I've got a few thoughts. Um, one, how much can you view Texas as a different team once they made a switch at quarterback? I think you have to view them as a very different team. And I don't know if Casey Thompson would have made that big of a difference against Arkansas, but they certainly look more capable with him running the show. So maybe maybe that is all the difference. Maybe that's it. I, I still I like that Steve Sarkeesian, when B. John Robinson gets hot, keeps getting in the ball. I think that's a pretty big deal. And I think in a game like this, if if a guy gets hot and you ride him and, and you can build a lead or, or or come back with it, then that's another another feather in your cap. I mean, Tom Herman was not the kind of guy who would ride the hot back. He'd he'd try to keep the rotation going. He'd try to get get everybody their touches. Steve Sarkis doesn't care. He's just gonna give it to the person he thinks he's gonna put it in the end zone. So I just feel like Texas is in a better place to win this game than they've been in a while. So you're not just taking the points, you're taking the game. No, 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 straight up. I I actually don't I don't I don't feel strongly about that. Like that because like to me it's just Texas. Okay, let me ask you this then before I I tell you what I think about Texas, which you could probably guess. But do you think that and this is something that I always kind of question about this, even when I, you know, look at other programs. But how much is Texas plays Oklahoma tough a Texas thing? Or how much was it a good job done by old Tommy Herman? Like, I don't does it does that stuff translate to you when you have a different coaching regime? Like, can you say it was well done Texas by Charlie pro- Strong too? So it's a program thing? Yeah. Well, it doesn't speak well of Texas that they would lose to TCU or lose to Texas Tech and then play Oklahoma tough. It just means they've got underachieving, talented players who are like, oh, now we're supposed to, now we're playing players who are allegedly on our level. So we're going to try now. It, it really doesn't speak well of yeah, what I the guess program was the last few years. Because I just have a so. hard time with like translating or transferring previous years results and trends to a new coaching regime. But if what you're saying is all their old coaches stunk at making them excited about middle tier opponents, then I think I could buy that. Yeah. They're going to be excited about this game. And look, they were clearly excited about the TCU game. They were very excited about the Texas tech game. So uh, that's, that's the thing that they're beating the teams they're supposed to beat now. And so you start doing that. Maybe you're one point better against Oklahoma, which last year would have won you the game. Is this the was the TCU win the most impressive Texas win of the last two or three years? I'm not going to go that far. I don't know how how good this TCU team is, but it was Texas winning a game that it was supposed to win on the road, even though it was an opponent that they had not been beating pretty much since TCU got in the Big Twelve. So right. It was it was Texas doing what Texas is supposed to do, which 
represents a lot of progress, I think, considering that they wouldn't, they would just weren't doing that. Last year they beat number six, um, Oklahoma State on the road, so maybe that's a little bit of a overstatement. But I do think that beating TCU in Fort Worth were they supposed a, to beat Oklahoma State on the road? I believe they were an underdog in that game. I think they were an underdog in that game. Yeah, well, okay, I mean, they so, were. So that's not the same thing. Yeah, you get I know. Excited when people don't believe. What's in impressive? You. Like, oh, I'm going to yeah. show them. Yeah, I guess in this weird, messed up world of a program. Beating good teams is less impressive than beating bad ones because they're incapable of beating bad ones because they can't get excited for bad games. And not that TCU is bad. I think TCU is a pretty good uh, TCU is a no, really but, good but team, a team for what a it team is. You should beat because you are more talented. And this time they're going to be playing a team with basically equal talent. And it's very exciting. And the atmosphere is incredible. And yeah, so I'm less worried about them against Oklahoma because now they're they they seem to they seem to have the right kind of attitude about it. It's not oh this is special we're going to be up here but then we're going to be down here for the best teams are here and I I I know that's great audio. My hand is in in in, in a very even position. Um, but that's that Alabama is the same every week. That's that's what makes Alabama great. That you get the same thing from them pretty much every week. That's what Texas has to become. I I could buy that. Now, Oklahoma, I would argue, is is the same thing almost every week. They have a very good, stable program. But now they'll be playing some some talent that is fairly equal to them. So uh three So it's a, a doubt like because that's a doubt for you that Oklahoma's in a position to beat a team that's equally talented as them. Based on it what is. you've seen it so far. Year. Yeah. Yeah. This year. Two two, three years ago, no, it wouldn't have been a doubt at all. But this particular team, yeah, it concerns me. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Let's move on to the team that beat Texas, Arkansas. Six-point underdog at Ole Miss. The, the, the bounce-back bowl, as it were. Both of these teams got destroyed by the two teams that might be the two best teams in the country. And... Now, who figures it out? Who bounces back? Oh, by the way, this also was the game last year when Matt Corral threw six interceptions and Arkansas won. This game's all kind of fascinating too, Ari. I am bitterly disappointed in both of these teams right now. Both of these teams were in a very, very interesting position to make this podcast better today and the podcast that you've had (laughs) since the time since. And both of them blew it. I was watching the Arkansas game. I'm not mad at them for how they affected my podcast. I, that's I'm, I'm mad at them because they had a chance to make us look super smart. And instead, now I look like a moron for saying that I would take the points in the Georgia game. They didn't even show Arkansas. And look, listen, they might have just been physically beaten up, right? They they've had a long, you know, a long season. They've had some tough games. You know, I get it. But even like Ole Miss, did they score a point in the first half of that game? No. 
And it's like, I guess they're not supposed to. They're playing Alabama. But it's just like, I thought Ole Miss had a chance to win. Um, Oh, Andy, there's one thing I wanted to say, and I don't want you to be upset, but I have to go back to the Texas-Oklahoma game for one second. Uh, Upset me. Go ahead. The under seems to me like the play there. 66 seems like a lot of points for those teams right now. And I don't know if it's just a shootout every year, no matter what, but that kind of stuck to me. Like, do we really think Does that Oklahoma like a bunch score of points 40? given what we've seen from Texas? I don't know. I just don't know that I have confidence that Oklahoma's going to get the 40 in this game. Well, it wouldn't, they wouldn't have to get to 40 according to the line, yeah. you know, Oklahoma minus three and a half. Oklahoma does not have to get to 40 to get to that, that over under to get the over. So could they both be yeah. in the thirties? Is that possible? I guess. I don't even know that I'm confident that Oklahoma's offense can get into the 30s. Okay, maybe the under is. I mean, because Oklahoma's defense has been good. And it's going to strike me as like a 27-23 type game. It could be. It very well could be. Now watch it go four overtimes again and, and we're out. Although overtime get, scores are not going to be as high anymore, so maybe not. Yeah. Well, I, uh, I just wanted to say that, and I want to know what you think. But back to Arkansas I, Ole Miss. I, I'm with you. Okay, back to Arkansas Ole Miss. Yeah, I does is Corral better? You know, Ole Miss likes to run the ball. And it feels like what Arkansas did to them last year is basically inviting them to run the ball. Now, I don't like what Arkansas can do because their linebackers are so old and good and instinctive is they can rush 3, drop 8, and you run the ball and those linebackers fill and suddenly the free yards you thought were there were not. But I'm curious how much Ole Miss tries to to establish the run to make Barry Odom change the way he covers those receivers. Doesn't it kind of feel like for two pretty exciting teams in the SEC that whoever wins this game is going to go one direction and whoever loses it's going to go in the other? It seems it like a pretty big like game that. for these schools. It, it does feel like that, though I don't think that's necessarily true because I just think the SEC West is going to be up and down all year. Like there are going to be days when Mississippi State's having a great day, and there are going to be days when when Arkansas is having a really good day, and I think that's just how it's going to go. So I I think it's not as as cut and dried as that. But yeah, who is less psychologically damaged by what happened to them last week? Because we've talked about this before, where losing to Alabama can mess you up for weeks, and I would argue that the way Georgia plays defensively. They strike me as a team that can mess you up for weeks too. So, who did who got less messed up last week is a, is is probably the best way to to approach this game. I think I might I would probably lean towards taking the points in this scenario. Um, I think Sam Pittman's a pretty good coach. I mean, Lane Kiffin's an offensive uh, guru, and I, I love watching him his teams play. But you know, having to cover a touchdown after a week like that is kind of tough, and it just kind of depends to me on how healthy we believe. Arkansas is, you know, is KJ Jefferson full strength? I mean, I don't even know what how we would categorize his his ability right now. And you know, this to me more than anything kind of seems like a game I wouldn't touch. But if I had to like pick a side, I think I would take the points here because Arkansas's though they got completely stomped by Georgia. I don't know how much that matters because I, we both picked Georgia to win the national title this year, and getting stomped by the national championship favorite doesn't really move the needle for me. Um, unless we're talking about a playoff conversation down the line, I think that Arkansas is a very physically solid team. And I think they would be able to hang well enough on the road to, you know, take that six and make me feel good about it. 
Let's stay in the SEC. You just mentioned Georgia. They are a 15 and a half point favorite at Auburn. 15 and a half point favorite with a 47 over under. Yeah, that's what I thought last week when uh, Arkansas was the, the, the under was 44. And I'm like, there's no way that, you know, that these teams are going to stay under 45. It's like, oh, okay, well, actually, they're just going to win 44 to nothing or 37. There's a way when, like yeah, when, when one scores zero, when one team it makes it score. very difficult. Yeah. Tell All me right, how so, Auburn scores a touchdown. Oh, uh, that's what I was going to ask. And, and we actually we actually discussed this the other day. Uh, the, the the most Bo Nix play in in the world is is maybe the best way for them to score, and that's that's Bo Nix runs around, throws an interception, tackles the guy who intercepted the ball. He fumbles. Bo Nix picks it up and runs it in for a touchdown. That would be the most Bo Nix play of all time. If we, but let's go back to the the LSU game. The running around, the going, getting pinned to the left sideline and throwing the the touchdown pass to Fromm, that doesn't happen against Georgia. That's a sack against Georgia, and basically, Auburn's got to find a way to run on Georgia. Keep them honest. Can they? I mean, look, Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter are really good backs. They they might be able to actually gain some yards against this defense but I don't think it's going to be enough. I don't think you can string enough good plays together against a defense this talented to score with any sort of consistency. I think that if you play football as a quarterback position like a psychopath, it's really fun and entertaining for the viewer. It doesn't bode well when you're playing against maybe the nastiest defense in the last 10 years. Like, And I know that that's something that we're going to have to see how it all plays out, but I can't remember watching a, a – a college team's defense and thinking, I have no idea how this other team has a chance to score. I, I don't, I didn't think we were ever going to see a defense like this again. I thought offenses I thought, wasn't that the, dead? the game and the rules had yeah. evolved to a point where it wasn't going to be possible. So that's, I'm just amazed every time they take the field. Like, I'm like, what are they going to do now? So now I will point out, and this is, this is something that you over under watchers may want to watch. And it, and it this bodes well for the under. Georgia has not dealt with crowd noise in a long, long time. Their Clemson game was neutral. Their only true road game this season was Vandy, and there were more Georgia fans in the stands. The last time they played against a truly hostile crowd was at Auburn in 2019, and that game they kind of sucked the air out of the building quick. And, and so the Jordan hair crowd, which is really good when they're going, didn't really affect the game, but look at how crowds have affected teams so far. You, you saw it with Penn state, Wisconsin in week one, you saw it when Auburn went to Penn state, you saw it when Alabama went to Florida, you definitely saw it when Florida went to Kentucky last week. Crowds are affecting teams. They're affecting offenses. And so how does Georgia handle that? This will be the first time they've had to deal with Stetson Bennett's probably the starting quarterback this week. I think they're going to let JG Daniels rest again. So does that lower Georgia's point threshold? I still went into the Arkansas game last week doubting how good their offense was. Am I a psychopath? Their offense is going to continually get better as more players get healthy. They brought Darnell Washington back in for like for, for I think a twenty for twenty something plays last week. 
when, when they can play Darnell Washington and Brock Bowers on the field at the same time frequently, that's going to be very tough to stop. Uh, I thought they did a good job dealing with a pretty tough Arkansas front and, and opening some holes. It wasn't, they weren't blasting open holes, but they were running the ball consistently. I, I do think they, they need to be able to stretch the field a little more. And, and that's going to happen as players come back and Dominique Blaylock is, is back from injury. We don't know if Pickens is going to come back or not, but they, they've got other players who I think can, can give them that Jermaine Burton may be, be able to give them that. So I think the offense will get better as the year goes on, but I don't know if, if it's going to be great Saturday. That's, that's my question. I just think Georgia lines up and pummels people with the run game and nobody can stop right. them because of how talented right. and big their offense and defensive lines are. So like to me, which is why, which is why I'm saying Georgia covers under hits in that would be my play. Uh, Georgia laying the points like something like 28 or 31 to 10, maybe get you there. Right. Yeah. I, I think that, that's, that's pretty the type realistic. of game I'd be yeah. anticipating. Yep. Yeah, that's that's pretty really. Let's let's stay in the SEC for a couple more games, then we'll we'll move out of here. LSU, three and a half point dog at Kentucky. Now this is a sandwich game for Kentucky between a huge win against Florida and a game against Georgia that that will likely be for the SEC East title, even though we're all just handing it to Georgia. But for LSU, it's maybe even more important. This is probably Ed Orgeron fighting for his job at this point. If if they lose this one, I'm not sure there's a path path forward for Coach O. Which team is better to you? Kentucky. I agree. Yeah. And and Kentucky's more consistent. Now, their offense is not particularly explosive, but it's explosive enough. Like Wandell Robinson is really good. You, you go back to that Florida game. What was the biggest offensive play in the game? hitting Wondell Robinson on a tunnel screen, you know, right at the line of scrimmage and he just jukes his way through the defense. You can make a few of those and but what was equally impressive is at the end of the game when Kentucky needs to take possessions out of it and make, you know, take away Florida's chances to to come back, they're getting 5 and 6 yards with Chris Rodriguez on the ground. And I think they can do that against LSU unless LSU has just significantly improved, they'll be able to do that. I think Kentucky's got it here in this spot at home. And Kentucky's coming off a, would you say, program-defining win? I'd say it was one of the biggest wins in the history of the program, absolutely. It, yeah. was, it was a big deal. You know, coming into the year, we we said Florida, Kentucky's a tricky win for Florida. But once Florida played Alabama and almost and, and, and didn't, didn't get blown out, once they lost by two, we're like, oh, no, no, Florida's, Florida's on that level. Okay, Florida's probably not on that level. Alabama was just not playing its best that day. And Kentucky and Florida, pretty similar, and they played a, a game where basically the team that made fewer mistakes won the game. And, and I, I think, think Kentucky's a very well-coached team, and they're not going to make many mistakes. I think if this game were on the road, I would feel much differently about it. And that might just be like, no no crap, Uh it's college football, but it just seems to me like coming back on the at, at home, you know, as a, a five and O team coming off of one of the biggest wins in program history, you know, it is a little bit difficult because this game is sandwiched between Georgia and Florida. <laughs> like I get that that's like a huge deal, but like, I don't know if Kentucky, I think Kentucky is actually just good this year. 
And I think LSU is not that good. And sometimes it's so easy to overthink things. And it's just like, I just think Kentucky's a better football team this year. I think we're going to have probably a a much longer podcast discussion about all that stuff next week if Kentucky is as good as we think. So we'll we'll, we'll get into all that later. One more in the SEC. Alabama, 17.5-point favorite at Texas A&M. I think Alabama covers. I, I, I have very little faith in Texas A&M moving the ball against them. Very, very, very disappointing turn of events of what this game has become. Was really hoping this would be one of the biggest games of the year. This was going to be the biggest game of the year in the league in the regular season. It's just, But it's not. It's just not. Yeah, I think Alabama's going to win by 24 or, or more, and that's it. Like, what, yeah, I, I, I don't, there's not much else to say unless Texas A&M just shows up and looks like a completely different team. And if that if they do, that's great. That that makes the rest of the season more exciting for them. But I, I don't at this point know how that happens. So let's let's move on from that. I've got a bone I to pick with gonna, you, real oh, quick. Okay. You said that Go the Michigan it. game, uh, Michigan Nebraska game, was your most of the entire Saturday. Yeah, we're almost at the end of the podcast, and we haven't even talked. Yes, about I'm saving. This. I'm saving uh, that okay. Big Ten game that is that is the <laughs> okay. best game in the country. For the end, okay. they're not even the most yeah. interesting game in their own it's conference. Called, it's called making people wait for the. Yeah. <laughs> you're you're a veteran. For, for I'm the, sorry for the encore or for the entree. Yeah, no, no, no. We're getting there. I promise. Okay. It's the best game of the week. The two highest ranked teams playing league. one another. They're yeah. not even the most. It's the one everybody's the waiting conference. for. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, gotcha. we're getting there. But before we get there, let's have the Notre Dame discussion. Because there is a what does Vegas know line involving the Fighting Irish this week. Notre Dame probably will be favored in every game remaining this season. But we know Notre Dame's not that good. We know Notre Dame's offensive line is not what it has been. We know they, you know, their quarterback issues. Is it, is it Jack Cohn? Is it Drew Pine? You know, we'll see. But they are only a one-point favorite at a very inconsistent Virginia Tech team. Obviously, Cincinnati needs Notre Dame to keep winning. The best thing for Cincinnati is if Notre Dame's 11-1. But this line makes me think, what does Vegas know? Is the bottom going to fall out of Notre Dame? Here's the one thing I can't get out of my head. How thoroughly Virginia Tech kicked the crap out of North Carolina in the trenches. Correct. And this is at Lane Stadium. It's Notre Dame. Everybody's going to be super excited. Yes, I, I would I'm, not bet I'm Notre Dame in a million years in this spot. <laughs> yep, and so I realize I said the you know last week on the podcast when Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, an eleven and one Notre Dame buoys Cincinnati in the rankings, and I still believe that. I, if as long as Notre Dame keeps winning, Notre Dame will be favored in every game that it plays from this point forward. But this line makes me wonder what the hell is going on. Th- this line makes me think, okay. That ends this week because somebody knows something we don't, and Lane Stadium could be rocking, uh, and then and then Sandman will enter, and then that'll be that. So I just I, I, that one that line scared me right, right there. So whatever I said at the after the Notre Dame Cincinnati game may be completely irrelevant come come Saturday. Yeah, yeah. I actually feel like this is the type of. This is exactly the type of game that made me eat the hot chip. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Last year, because in Virginia Tech, I think was in, was it Virginia Tech Miami that, that game? 
because it's like mm-hmm. the line didn't make yep. sense. And I was like, you know what? The, game, the line doesn't make sense. The other team is much better. Virginia Tech is is not very good. They're inconsistent. This give me the other team. And it's like Virginia Tech won outright. It's like I think Virginia Tech is going to win. Actually, the game. no, Miami won that game. That's or was I, I on Virginia Miami. Tech? Yeah, you had Virginia Tech. Yeah. Oh no, but my this, God. this is but but this is one where Notre Dame hasn't looked good. Virginia Tech has looked good and same has looked bad. Yeah. So I, I don't know. It, but that line just says stay away from Notre Dame. Yes. Now we get to it. Now we get to Iowa City. We get to Kinnick Stadium, the biggest game of the week. I'm still more fascinated by Michigan, Nebraska, just because I think it's more, I, I just think it's interesting. But as far as stakes go, as far as uh, effect on conference races, playoff race, all of that, Penn State at Iowa is the biggest game of the of the the week in the country, and it's I think it's going to be great. I, I think it's probably not going to be super high scoring. I, I think it will hinge on a mistake by one of the offenses, and and Iowa has done an incredible job of creating turnovers not just this year, but the past, basically the past three years. And I can't wait. I cannot wait because this is two really good, well-coached teams that should absolutely have playoff aspirations. And I don't think losing knocks either one of them out of it, but I think winning puts, puts that team in a really great spot. Did you watch the Maryland-Iowa game by chance? Uh, unfortunately, some of it, yes. Was that Iowa being awesome, or was that Maryland being utterly incompetent? Well, actually, if you go back to uh, to Tuesday in the feed, if you listen to to Power Hour with Nicole Auerbach and, and Michael Felder, Felder broke down every one of those turnovers, and it was mostly Iowa creating them. That was not Maryland playing poorly, just handing it, here, take the ball. That was Iowa making that happen to a team that came into the game undefeated. So Iowa's really good. Iowa's defense is is salty, and they are excellent at forcing your quarterback to make a mistake. They're also good at punching the ball out when, when that opportunity arises. Penn State's got to be careful here. Sean Clifford's got to be very careful here because that defense is going to try to force them into mistakes, and they've been very good at it. That crowd is going to be great. Now, I do think this is where Penn State opening – at Wisconsin helps them because they've dealt with a hostile crowd already. They understand, you know, the, the, the first time back in front of a hostile crowd, they were not the visiting team for the whiteout against Auburn, but they saw what it did to another team. So they're going to get that experience at Kinnick Stadium, but the thing is they've, they've dealt with it already, and I think that'll help them. It, I don't think it'll be as jarring as, say, like when Florida went to Kentucky last week and had eight false starts. I don't think you're going to see that. I am all Iowa this week. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I have no idea what happens. Maybe I'll be wrong. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like when I'm this certain about something, I'm wrong. And I I guess like people just see two really good teams from both sides. But tell me Penn State's offense is going to be scoring a ton on this defense on the road. Just look me in the eyes and tell me. I don't think they're going to be scoring a ton, but I don't think Iowa's going to score a ton on Penn State's defense. Yeah. I just, I feel like Iowa's defense and at home are very similar offenses. I I just, I don't know. I think that Iowa is just a better all around football team. And I know that Sean Clifford's having the best year of his career, but like I'm not 100% bought in on him. And playing against that defense, 
a defense that just made and, and like, listen, Maryland, we like making Maryland jokes. Maryland's got a lot of offensive skill. Like they're a pretty they good offensive team. Like the, what they did to them. And I don't want to overreact from a one week, one week scenario, but, but, but like here's looking the thing. at the Penn schedule, State, this is the type Penn state has a better line. They will, they will be more capable of keeping them off Sean Clifford than, than Maryland was of keeping them off Talia Tonga-Vailoa. And Jahan Dotson, is, is he the most explosive player in the Big Ten? If he's not, he's close to it. This, this yeah, there, I guess the only thing I would say is that Penn State has a, has a player that can get behind the defense and Iowa might not. Which that's I think that is fair. Possibly. Yeah. And that's and that is how Penn State scored on Wisconsin, which by the way, still has a good defense. It, it, it's hard to blame Wisconsin's defense because that offense puts it in such terrible situations over and over and over again. But so and, and again, it's not ideal to have to go to Camp Randall for your first game, but I think that game could prove very helpful for Penn State here because they played a really good defense and they played in front of a really hostile crowd in a non-pandemic situation where it's this a full crowd. spot is a spot that James Franklin Penn State teams repeatedly lose in year after year. 2016 on the road at Michigan, 49-10, to 10, September 24th. And that was mm-hmm. the year they won the Big Ten East. By no the healthy linebackers in that game pretty much, yeah. though. 2017. Um, lost at Ohio at State. At Ohio State. And they lost the following week at Michigan State. Both road games against ranked teams. 2018. Um, they lost at number four, Ohio state. And then they went on to lose to number five, Michigan, 42 to seven, 2019, um, lost to Minnesota in two games in late November where both teams, I believe were undefeated or right, Minnesota was very Min- good. In that game. Or Penn state might've lost a game going into that game. And then last year doesn't count because last year they started zero and five and they lost everywhere yeah. despite having a good end of the year. And then well, 2021, it's just like, what is this? What about James? They got a number three, Iowa on the road. And then two weeks later at Ohio state, like what they're not at the same team on the road as they are at home and repeatedly right, and historically so, have hey, lost look, in this spot. Jim Harbaugh finally won as an underdog at Michigan. Who's to say that, that James Franklin doesn't finally win as a road dog at Penn state. And you're talking to somebody too, that doesn't completely buy into history of like, this team has lost X number of games in this environment dating back to 1937. Like, I don't care about that. I'm just saying from a, I think that this is a type of stat that's revelatory though. I don't, James I don't Franklin think your teams are always underperforming in these big time non uh, or in conference road games. And like, I know that you might even just take Ohio state off the table because Ohio state is what it is, but like they've lost to Minnesota and Michigan and other teams that are in that same similar spot. Like Iowa is really, really tough place to play. I don't think you're off base picking Iowa here. I don't. I understand every argument for but it. This confident? I am like super confident in this pick. See, I wouldn't be super confident. I, I don't. Th- I think this is a pick'em game. I think Vegas agrees with me. It's a it's a two point spread with the road team, the underdog, which means at a neutral site, Penn State would be a one point favorite. So, are you going to make me I drink mayonnaise coffee? Oh. Oh, do we have a bet? I mean, I think Iowa is going to roll in this game. Now, our friend Alyssa Lang did try the mayonnaise coffee. By the way, she did force Will Levis to prove that he drank it, and he drank it on her TV show, and he did consume it. Uh, She tried it, seemed to think it was horrible. 
How much? I don't know if I want to make you go down the mayonnaise road again. I think that I can handle this awful. because it's not it's not mayonnaise. Like it is mayonnaise with coffee, and that's different. Like I love pimento cheese. Mayonnaise is a very key ingredient to that. I like creamy Italian dressing. I like. Uh, there's a few other mayonnaise-based things that I not only tolerate but enjoy. You're so gonna coffee, coffee is a very strong flavor, Ari. The second that mayonnaise hits your tongue and you have a mouthful of coffee, your office is going to be covered in it. You're making me want to make right. you drink that. All right, you're gonna get if you give me the points, I'll do it. We, we, we yeah, can, I'll give we you the points. I think right I was now. gonna win yeah. by like twenty. I think they're gonna All kick right. their butt. All right, but I'm not I'll alternating the line State. like you though. I'll take Penn State. You take Iowa. Two points for the Nittany Lions. And the loser is drinking mayonnaise coffee. That sounds really gross, but I'm not even sweating this one. I'm not sweating it because I even if I lose, I don't think it's going to be that bad. The last time you put a little mayonnaise in your mouth, you almost like vomited on your telephone on the computer screen so i know that you think coffee is going to mask it but that was also before we go you have to determine how much mayonnaise goes in that's a lot squeeze the, the bottle video. like yeah. i mean yeah you yeah. gotta and like then i watch i watched a list of show and he squeezed quite a bit in there too so i'll do what he did i'll do exactly so you, what he did, did he chug it no he took a sip and in, in real life the the tiktok he, he doesn't actually consume you never see him consume any but but on the show, he took a sip. I'm not going to drink the whole thing. I'll do what he did. Yeah, I mean, because taking a sip, you have to put mayonnaise in your mouth. I I think I can handle this. Okay. But again, James Franklin, I'm, I'm beseeching you. Save me from this. <laughs> go, go change your reputation on the road. We'll all look at it differently. And Ari's going to have to do this instead of me. here's the twist on this andy that's my request i don't like coffee oh that could be worse so that to me like i like mayonnaise but obviously putting mayonnaise in any warm drink sounds awful but like i'm also not a coffee fan so the flavor of coffee isn't going to save me from the weirdness of mayonnaise being in it so you know okay all right we got a bet you're you're you're, I, you're you love betting on on weird things. You got to ride on James Franklin on the road. Enjoy that in a top five matchup. Well, you know he may be trying out for a couple other programs at this point. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows what's going to happen? I just hope you're the one drinking the man's coffee. Yeah. But we're we're gonna find out. New Dad Ari has got to clear out because there's a nap that needs to happen. And shoot. We could all just use an app. Happy Friday. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk to you afterwards.